The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome, welcome. I am excited for the second in a three-part series with a wonderful and gifted gentleman and teacher. He is bringing to the planet uh, a depth of being and a depth of knowing as to where we as as human beings must go in order to truly recover our humanity. We believe that humanity is everything outside of us and that that is what we are here to focus on and work on and heal and fix. But what if... Humanity is actually our very own humanity that we are here to uncover and to touch. What if it is our very own humanity that we are here to save? And in doing so, we actually create the resolution and the resurrection of a world that that we don't know yet, a world that really is full of peace and love, unconditional, full of service, forgiving each other, the fullness of ourselves, the divine beingness of ourselves that we came in as upon conception. My guest today is Shivasti, and he was formerly known as John Payne and has written four books and recently released an amazing new audio book entitled Teachings from an Awakened Heart. This is definitely someone that you want to discover and get to know because he brings to his own life and the life of others, deeply changing spiritual teachings and healing work. He has traveled the globe and experienced things that are rarely encountered by many people, and he is uh, diverse in his own mixed heritage and his identities, his multilingual experience, along with his thirst for the understanding of humanity and the nature in which we all live, grow, and be. He will allow you to feel related to, no matter what your social, material, national, ethnic, or religious background. And he is someone who listens, not only hears, but truly listens. So it is an ear and a heart and a soul to, to connect to, especially if in places of shame and in pain, of guilt and repression, you are needing to voice those deepest places of your being. You can find out more about this gentleman at shavasti.com, that is S-H-A-V-A-S-T-I.com, and you'll find out about all of the work he does, including family constellation work, in addition to individual sessions, workshops. He has delved into shamanism and many different types of modalities and offers also speaking engagements and can be invited in for small and large group work, so definitely check him out. Without further ado, welcome back, Shavasti, for the second episode. Yes, hi. Um, good morning, and it's, um, it's dawn where I am, because I'm quite a distance from you, and it's... Uh, I've been listening to your introduction whilst I'm listening to all the roosters crowing, and so it's been an interesting combination of um, you coming towards the end of uh, your day with the time difference and me starting mine. And as I was listening to that, we're all sitting with a different stage of where we are in terms of our growth. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about were some of the images that we have of what the world should look like. Because mm. one of the things that I've noticed is that many of us who are looking to create a better world can often fall into the same trap of starting to dictate 
hate, what's better, what's healthier, what's more peaceful, what's more politically correct, or what is um, less of this and, and more of that. And, and I, I always offer caution because as soon as we start deciding we know what's better, it can lead us down a road that ends up looking exactly the same as what we have, mm. meaning with all the wars, with all the tension between religious groups and ethnic groups and national groups and also the tensions between um, poor people and richer people, etc. And so it's not that I'm saying discard your ideals, because ideals motivate us to to create a better world. But I always fall on the side of, well, when, when my longing and my desire to create a particular vision of the world impinges upon yours, or when my freedom impinges upon your freedom, then that's not real freedom. Um, so I always err on the side of saying, well, how do I want my world to be? Not, not how do I want Simran's world to be, or how do I want all these people to behave? But where is my peace? Because often, when we hang on to these ideals and saying, well, um, the whole world should only eat organic produce, for example, which is, you know, that's a valid um, personal choice. So that's what I choose as well when I can. But when we hang on to these ideals and we grasp them and we try to say, well, the other should be doing this, or we say, when I have that, when all the animal abuse stops, when, when everything is organic, when everything is like this, when everything's like that, when those people stop doing this, then I'm going to experience some peace. But my caution is always around what is your image and how much image, how much energy are you placing into the image of the world and where does that really come from? Because sometimes, and I've, I've done it myself, when we chase ideals, a lot of the energy we have around it or even the anger that we have around it, it's really about unresolved issues that we have with the authorities in our childhood, mum, dad, and school teachers, priests, etc. Um, so, yes, I was... Um, prompted to to look at, well, we're all in a different place. So if we are in a different place, how do we work together? And really the working together is about recognizing the source of our own peace and allowing others to have their own source of peace. You bring up several points that I'd love to dive into, and the first one would have to do with where you started in in you being in your dawning and and us being here where it's beginning to be evening. And and as you went into your discussion, what I thought about were the identities that we tend to lock ourselves in, whether it is our careers or who we believe ourselves to be based on who others have told us that we are. And isn't Uh that dawning allowing us to then experience that very thing, but the evening is an opportunity to release it and to die to that identity? Can you talk about how every experience has to have its own cycle or every identity perhaps has to have its own cycle for us to continue our path of growth and evolution without then having to place our beliefs and thoughts on other people in the way that you meant? Mm -hmm. Well, it's about asking ourselves what is really true. What what is that? Um, What does it mean to be, let's say, for example, spiritual? What, What does that mean? Very often we've created something that is very artificial in the same way that we've created aspects of our personality. It all starts when we're very, very young. Because our essence is not reflected back to us, because our parents are busy and they're also living out some images as well as to what a boy should be and what a girl should be, what a, uh, uh, what members of, of our family should be. Because there are a lot of images that come down to us 
that say, well, the Smiths are like that, and the Joneses are like that, and the Kumars are like this, etc., etc. Um, and so what happens is we, we lock away the truth of who we are, and we start creating a personality and defense mechanisms in an attempt to become what we think is wanted. Oh, well, mommy needs a little girl to be like this, and we and daddy needs a little girl to be like that, and they need a little boy to be like this. I'm a member of this family, and we all believe this, and we all do like that. And so, because we are very motivated to preserve relationships at all costs, particularly in the family when we're very, very young, we then create a behavior or we create a personality aspect that we believe serves to preserve that relationship. However, because we've started doing it so young, at one years old, two years old, three years old, four years old, etc., when we get into adulthood, we actually forget that we've done that. And so part of what happens is, is that we can run around in adult life trying to fix something that isn't real. What I mean by that is, so you've created a certain persona and you've created a certain defense mechanism, and you look at that persona and you go, oh, well, that's not very nice. Well, that's not very pleasant, or that's not very functional. I mean, outside of my family unit or outside of my culture, that, that doesn't work at all. Or that, that persona is always angry, or that persona is always this or, or that. And so we can spend years, if not decades, trying to fix what is essentially the full self. But we don't know that it's the false self because we've actually forgotten that our true self, we hid away, and that we created this as a survival mechanism. And so what really needs to die is just about everything. A lot of people think that the, the process of awakening is some blissful event. It really isn't. It, it, it really isn't. It challenges the very core of who we believe that we are. And so what I see a lot of people doing is that they have little awakenings here and there, and they, they get onto what they might call a personal development or a spiritual path. And then they're offered lots of new images as well. Oh, well, this is what it looks like to be spiritual. This is what it looks like to be conscious. This is what it looks like to be awake. And therefore, I'm going to live according to those images that have been handed to me or the Im images that I am going to derive based on my earlier experience and the information that I'm now being given. And so we can have particular uniforms that we wear. A spiritual person dresses like this. An awake person does this and that. And so it can become another trap. Because it may sound as if I'm actually talking against all these alternative lifestyles, and not at all. Um, I don't actually want to talk against anything. But it behooves us to be really, really aware how much of that is authentic and how much of that is just another image. And that also creates then that also creates then expectations of others and what it's supposed to look like on other people. And when we do that, we actually then create a pathway to disappointment and disheartening that then puts us oh, back in the same place. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know that there, and I was guilty of this myself. Um, certainly if I go back a decade or so, of some of my teachers me having an expectation of them being superhuman and never having a bad mood and never getting annoyed with anything, um, projecting uh, very saintly qualities. You, you hear the image in that, saintly qualities, um, upon them, and then being disappointed when I realized, oh my God, they're actually human. 
And so all of these images that we have create suffering. They really do create suffering. Um, so we have images of what it is to be successful. And in Western culture, that's very often measured by amounts of money. But there are many, many different ways to be successful, to feel that we've achieved something. And what ends up happening is that years of work, years of striving, years of achieving, years of therapy, years of doing stuff can actually leave us empty-handed. Or it didn't actually give us what we thought it was going to give us. Then we really have to look at, well, what do we want it to give us? Is it peace? Is it a sense of um, self-acceptance? And really, it is peace. Everyone's looking for peace, but they call it lots of different things. I've called it lots of different things. I've called it success. I've called it uh, weight loss. I've called it um, many different things. But really, it's about when we get up in the morning and we see ourselves in the mirror or see ourselves in the mirror any time of the day, the relationship we have with that person that's looking back at us. You know, Shavasi, that brings up a memory of my own that um, that this really speaks to. I remember about 20 years ago, right after I got married, I went to a home that my mother had told me to go to to meet with an Indian holy person. And I sat in the room with this man, and he said, I'm going to ask you one question, and you have to give me an answer, only one answer. And he said, the question is, do you want success? Or do you want happiness? And it was interesting what happened in that moment because the first answer, he said, and he rushed me, he said, quickly, give me your answer, give me your answer. And the word that came out of my mouth was happiness. But internally, there was turmoil because I had been bred to be driven, to be ambitious, to strive, to be the best, to reach goals. And so I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I chose the wrong one. I should have chosen success. Oh, what mistake have I made? Because successful people have have everything, including the happiness, because people follow them. They have the money. They have the material. What have I done? I have chosen happiness. That may not necessarily mean that I will be successful. That is that is the place that you're talking about, that we, we have created these ideas of what we think, but then we've also been conditioned into creating this idea inside of our own minds. Oh, absolutely. And so what you speak of there very directly is an image from your family of success. You belong to that grouping, and therefore you must be successful in order to belong. And it doesn't take us long, well, maybe a decade or two, (laughs) to realize that all of that success, and it's not that I'm preaching failure, and I'm not preaching poverty, and I'm not preaching aspiring to something greater, because really... Magnificence and excellence is born when wisdom, love, and beauty are working in harmony with one another. And so, if we strive for success in order to achieve something external, be that mm, status, um, be that a certain kind of car, etc., then it's quite obvious that internally that love and and peace and harmony and beauty are are not working together because there would be an unsettledness there, an unsettledness around, well, what happens if I don't have that? Who am I then? What happens if I lose everything? Who am I then? So peace is always the goal and the other circumstances will always be satisfactory if we have peace with the person we're looking at through the mirror, no matter what we have. Or don't um, or don't have. I'm speaking with the spiritual teacher, Shavasti. He is also known as the author of four books under the name of John L. Payne. He has recently released, just released, an amazing audiobook series that I highly recommend. 
everyone listen to. It is entitled Teachings from an Awakened Heart, Embracing the Power of Truth. This is a conversation over several CDs that really takes you deeply into the core of yourself, facing things that you may not even realize are hidden there, but the very things that are keeping you from your own beauty, your own power, your own humanity. In Teachings from an Awakened Heart, you will journey with the stream of Sravasti's words that will bring you to a new understanding and experience of forgiveness, awakening, hidden loyalties, and new opportunities for personal peace. With this audio journey, you'll be invited to step inside the deeper questions of your being, your longing, and the deeper truths of who you are and what you really want. Teachings from an Awakened Heart presents truth, powerful, inclusive, and persuasive ways that will invite to surrender the core of your being. irrespective of what you discover about yourself along the way. You'll discover that to love is totally natural and that there is and never has been anything wrong with you. You can find out about Teachings from an Awakened Heart along with all of the other beautiful work, including YouTube videos, blogs, and services at Shavasti.com. That's S-H-A-V-A-S-T-I.com. We'll be right back with Shavasti. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Simron at simron-singh.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh. I would like to invite you to explore 1111 Magazine. It is freely gifted to humanity and shares a number of people, each issue from around the world, sharing their wisdom, their beauty, and their expression. It is there as a way to share many hearts and many voices and the inspirations that can touch you deeply, allowing you to connect with those that are part of your own experience and your own path to well-being and to greater power and peace. You can connect with 1111 Magazine at 1111mag.com. It is always free and archived issues are there. In addition, I invite you to explore all of the archives of 1111 Talk Radio. We are celebrating five years now and all archives from each of those years are listed on the website. This year, 2014, has really allowed a beautiful new expression to unfold through 1111 Talk Radio through a series of individuals that I truly believe are doing some of the deepest work on the planet. We are going through one of those series right now with Shavasti, but there are several others that you should also take a peek at. Richard Rudd, Nicholas David Yang, we are also going to be having Charles Eisenstein, and Dr. Carol McCall. So definitely take notice of some of these individuals 
that are doing profound work on the planet, things that are ancient in terms of who we are and the beings we are to recognize, but being spoken in such new ways rather than the typical positive self-help uh, language that you may be used to hearing. Here is something new if you're looking for something new. In addition, check out my own two books, Conversations with the Universe on Signs, Symbols, and Synchronicities, and Your Journey to Enlightenment, a way to connect back with the curiosity, wonder, and spark of the child so that you can view life from that perspective and create in powerful and creative ways. Right now, we are speaking with Shavasti, and his teachings are simple. Healing takes place when we are willing to tell the absolute truth, devoid of masks and pretenses. Simple truth is like oxygen. With it, we thrive. Without it, we suffocate in our own stories. Simple truth is the soul's domain, and while complex stories belong to the fearful ego, in order to heal, we need to want peace much more than to be right about something. This is the language of the soul that Shavasti speaks on. You can find out more about him at Shavasti.com. That's S-H-A-V-A-S-T-I.com. This is the second episode in a series of three, so if you missed the first one, definitely go back and be sure not to miss next week as well. Welcome back, Shavasti. I thoroughly enjoyed the first segment, and I want to ask a question in in uh, regard to this generational imprinting and uh, the uh, constellation work that you initially began with and is so much a part of your work. We as parents bringing up children, what are the steps that we can take or how can we ensure to not pass on these boxes and ideas uh, to our own children, these generational imprintings in the same manner, because sometimes patterns and behaviors are such patterns and behaviors that are hard for ourselves mm-hmm. even to get out of. Well, I mean, the bottom line really is it doesn't really matter how conscious you are as a parent, how well-meaning you are, how much you don't want to wound your children, you will. And so as soon as you can have some kind of peace around that, that is also very helpful. Because I've also seen parents who've tried so hard to be perfect, conscious, aware parents who've created different kinds of damage. I remember one client um, said, well, you know, my parents were, one was a psychologist and the other one worked at 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 an alternative school, a Montessori school, etc. And he was complaining that every single one of his motives had to be explained. Every feeling he had had to be expressed. There was a sense of not really having any privacy. So the parents thought that they were open and communicating with their kids, not telling them what to do, but asking them how they feel. But it went a little bit too far, so that felt invasive. So that's the first thing. We are going to pass on certain things, but I would say there are some some golden rules here. Your children are not your friends. They are your children. Children are not your friends. And so whenever we include a child into the private life of the parent, so meaning that the parent is beginning to relate to the child as if the child is another adult, relate to the child as if that child is their friend. Of course, there are many, many single parents and many women in particular who have perhaps given up their careers, have children, and then end up divorced, often struggle with loneliness. And so that then becomes a ripe and fertile ground for creating friendships with children that end up being unhealthy. And so we can then have a child that has been asked to do too much too soon, and it really does breed a lot of shame. Because if a 12-year-old has been brought into an adult relationship with his mother or father, if the 12-year-old is expected to be the confidant, the secret holder, the friend, etc., because the 12-year-old is not an adult, then he or she can only fail every day in meeting the requirements of that friendship 
And so a lot of shame is born out of that. There are also other things that are passed on. And what is very clear is for each person who has children is to know that whatever is theirs is theirs. Meaning, the pain of my former relationship, the pain of my childhood, that's something for me to work on. That's something for me to own. And so the deeper question needs to be asked, why was this child brought into the world? Why did I have children? Now, in poor nations, that's very clear for many. It's, there are no such things as pensions, and, and there's no such thing as good health care. So we need lots of children to ensure that when I'm 60, 70, 80, and, and I'm old and firm and, and unable to, to do my daily tasks, there's someone there to look after me. So there are different motivations for having children. And so it always needs to be asked, does the child exist for me, for my reasons, or do I exist for the child? Oh, that's a powerful statement. Repeat that one more time, Shavasti, because I think that's a statement that a lot of people really need to ask themselves. Yes. So it is... Does the child exist for me, or do I exist for the child? When it comes to adoption, that's very important, because often children are adopted into families in order to fulfill a need. Perhaps the mother, the adoptive mother, has had five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten miscarriages. And now out of desperation, she must adopt a child. So in effect, very often that child is there to fulfill the gap that's been left by the loss of all those children. The child is there to um, resolve the grief of not being able to have her own child. I'm not saying that that's true for every woman that's ever adopted a child who had a miscarriage. I'm saying I have seen that very often. So everything I say is not a a rule, and I've learned the hard way over the years that if I see something 99 times and I decide, oh, yeah, well, that must be a universal principle, the hundredth time it's going to be different, of course. Um, but I would like to so say, Shavasti, that if if you say something and it triggers a listener in a certain way, let's say this adoption comment, anytime there's a trigger about something, then that means that there is some belief or truth inside that does need to be looked at in oh, some way. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um and really, that, in question, that question really applies to both biological and adoptive parents, meaning, do I exist for the child or does the child exist for me? And if we're very clear and if we're very honest about that, then we will often find an aspect, maybe not the whole relationship, but there will be an aspect of the relationship where, no, no, the child is existing for me. And that's where our work is. That's where the work is to release the child from that responsibility. That's where we're not doing our inner work to find that peace. We're expecting somebody else to fulfill that role for us. Mm. It's a very important question. Very important question. I personally think that becoming a parent is one of the bravest things that you can do. I'm not a parent. I don't have children. And... Many of my clients and students are, and I often bow with deep respect, and I'm often astounded with what they have to do. Also, fully realizing um, that one of their children could even end up as one of my clients with a problem um, that they have with their own parents. And that's all well and good, because we're not really here in the business. In fact, we're not at all in the business of making people bad. We are really in the business of helping people to become conscious and aware and also to have a level of acceptance about being wrong, to have a healthy relationship to being wrong. 
Well, and I'd like to bring up, too, because I think what you've done is you've freed, just, just your comments initially, would free a lot of people from their own beliefs and thoughts and guilt about not being conscious parents and screwing up their children. I mean, most of us that even are more conscious now, at some point we were unconscious, and usually that's when we have the children because the children come in to teach us. But then also to bring up the point that even when we're more conscious or think we are awakened and evolved, we can do just as much damage to the children, and that's not to create the guilt in that respect, but maybe it is to enlighten us that we take it all too seriously, and if we focus on ourselves and lighten up a little bit, the children have a bit more of a chance. I think for all of us, and it doesn't really matter whether it's parenting or whether it's having your own radio show or whether it's being a writer or a healer or a candlestick maker, what I've discovered is is having a healthy relationship to being wrong. Mm. Having a healthy relationship to being wrong and actually having a relationship to being wrong. Mostly we're in avoidance of being wrong. We don't want to have a relationship to being wrong. And again, that comes from our formative and foundational years because if we're wrong, there's the threat of being abandoned. And if we're abandoned as a two-year-old, that means that we die. So we have a very strong survival instinct. And so part of the survival instinct is to try and never be wrong in order to preserve the relationships. So this is a very first chakra fear that we have. It's a very first chakra dynamic. And we must be aware that this survival fear can be with us subconsciously throughout our whole lifetime. And so it really does free us when we have the courage to be wrong. And that's so directly opposed to so much of what and I'm going to call it an industry because so much of it has turned into a business, but that's so much of what the self-help industry has been saying the opposite of because it's been trying to get us out of being wrong, trying to get us, and, and there is, we do want to better ourselves, we do want to strive to be the best of ourselves, but it is also in the acceptance of who we have been and what we have been and the steps we have taken that that betterment has to be birthed out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because the uh, you refer to it as the self-help industry, and, and, and it is an industry, which has its place. And, and I do understand, and I see completely what you're talking about, but, but it, it, it's become a sin to even entertain the idea that there might be something wrong or that we might have done something wrong. There's this absolute need to reframe everything. That is useful in the beginning. If we've been raised with very limited views as to who we are and what our place is in the world, if if we've come from a strict dogmatic religious background, then that initial approach is very good because it's so opposite to what we've heard. Um, so we heard that we were born as a sinner or we're born imperfect and we need something in order to be uh, good or a good human being and, and fundamentally we're flawed and we need to be corrected. So to hear the opposite where everything is reframed into the positive in the beginning to kind of get us out of that quack, quagmire, that's very useful. But then, as you are quite rightly pointing out, it can also end up as being a new prison where oh, I'm always right, I'm always good, and no matter what I do, um, there's a silver lining to that. So somewhere in the middle, there's a a middle place there where we can have a healthy relationship to, to being wrong. I worked with a client who was working very hard as a people pleaser. I'm going to have you hold on that story, Shavasti, until we come back from this break, and we will pick up right there. Shavasti's deep exploration into the truth of who we are, both collectively and as individuals, is available to you as a healing journey in gatherings, workshops, 
privately in your location, or one-on-one over Skype. Perhaps you've spent many years exploring, sometimes wandering from therapy to therapy or meditation class to meditation class. So many individuals, just like you, are deeply touched and changed by Shavasti's deep insights, compassion, and intuitive gifts that see beyond what is presented, piercing the core of truth authentically and undeniably. If you'd like to begin your relationship with Shavasti, I urge you to get his audiobook, Teachings of an Awakened Heart, and allow teachings from an awakened heart, and allow yourself to hear his story and go through some of his very deep teaching concepts. And from there, you can go on into gatherings or exclusive services. As a part of the exploration in an awakening heart, gatherings are offered to groups anywhere in the world on invitation. Whether you are part of a large group or seek a gathering for your smaller group of seekers, get in contact with Shavasti, and he will connect with you to discuss that. You can find out more at Shavasti.com. S-H-A-V-A-S-T-I dot com. We'll be right back. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be visionary. Be extraordinary. Be the change. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Simron at simron-singh.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh. Shavasti is one of the most psychically gifted healers and counselors you could possibly work with. Uh, so definitely connect with him at Shavasti.com. Definitely uh, look up his new audio book, Teachings from an Awakened Heart. And to not miss out on any of his wisdom, I want to get right back to the story that you were about to tell about a people pleaser because I think that's a place that we've all been. Well, yeah, and what she was telling me was, that she was even more generous than she could actually afford, meaning that it was creating financial problems for her because she would give stuff to people. And we did a deeper exploration, a deeper inquiry into that. And what she discovered was that her underlying feeling that stemmed from very young was that she felt unlovable. So I said to her, well, let's just sit with unlovable. And she looked quite horrified. And I said, well, it's there. It's controlling your life. It's, it's stalking you day and night. And it's causing this, this behavior because you're trying to be lovable by being more generous than you can afford. And I suspect that that's taking you into relationships with people that you don't really appreciate them. She said, yeah, that's true. 
actually had people in my life that I don't particularly like, and I'm generous to them too. I said, so let's explore being unlovable. And I invited her to allow that to be true, just for two or three breaths. She first looked very afraid, and eventually, when she was able to fully sit in, I'm unlovable, a big smile came across her face. And then she began to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Because her first realization was, well, if I'm unlovable, then I don't have to be unnecessarily generous because it doesn't matter what I do. It's not going to change that, is it? I said, no, there's the first freedom. There is the first freedom there. You actually have a relationship with the parts of ourselves that we just don't want to feel or to look at. To even entertain the idea, well, maybe that's true. Maybe I am unlovable. When we stop running from it, because most of us are running from those things. We're running from, I'm unwanted, I'm ugly, I'm unlovable, I'm bad, I'm all alone, I'm empty, I'm disgusting, I'm dirty, whatever it is. At our core... Yesterday I said that our shameful secret is often shame itself. Once we stop, really stop, and allow that to be what it is, to stop running from it, it's the running from it that gives it all the power. Once we stop and we face the beast, when we stop and face the beast, and it doesn't have to be this big, cathartic, noisy um, episode. Sometimes it does look like that, but mostly it doesn't look like that. It's truly is quite peaceful. And we look at the big beast, and at first we might even shake as we look at the big beast. And then we find that there's a five-year-old girl holding a teddy bear standing right behind it. So let me ask you a question, because a lot of people right now might be thinking intellectually they might tap into unlovable. I mean, first of all, many people are going to have a hard time getting there, but let's say that they intellectually get into the place of I'm ugly or I'm unlovable or I'm unworthy. How do Mm -hmm. they take that intellectual place and get it into the body? and then get it into the heart. Because we live in a society that is so numbed out and so distracted by technology, among so many other things, that we live outside the very bodies that we are a part of. It's very, very simple. Breathing down into the pelvic floor. Just breathing down into the pelvis becoming aware of our feet upon the ground and breathing down into the pelvis. The pelvis is very, very important. very important to be aware of the pelvis. We, we, we literally sit inside our pelvis. It's the center of our power. It's where, it's where a lot of our wounding um, is held, so in the first and second chakras. So breathing down into the pelvis helps us sink down into the body. And one of the difficulties that we have in... Western culture in particular of sinking down into the body and being in the pelvis, breathing into the pelvis, is that we've been taught that the body is disgusting. We've been taught that the flesh is a place of temptation. We've been taught that the body in some way is evil. And although here we are in 2014 and there are not so many of us who are raised in church-going families anymore, that's reduced. We, we must also remember that we've been a Christian culture for, oh, 1,500 years. It was ready in 500 AD when it all started. Um, and so we've had many generations, many generations, perhaps 50 generations, of people being taught that they are born in sin, that the flesh is the weakness or that the flesh is disgusting or part of the devil, etc. And so although we may not have been raised in a household where we were taught that directly, it is culturally ingrained. It's culturally ingrained, the separation from the body, because the body 
dies, and therefore we want to separate from it because we believe that our consciousness is our body. But it's not. Our consciousness is way outside of the body and housed within it, but it is not it. I want to invite you to explore more of Shavasti's teachings. You can connect with him at his website, shavasti.com. He does YouTube videos, which are, are quite profound and give you snippets of some of his discussions, along with some beautiful blog posts. And his newsletter will take you deeper into many of these topics. So if you are just discovering him and want to have a bit more of his wisdom, uh, I definitely invite you to connect with him in that way. If you truly want to allow yourself to start doing the deep work that will create profound, long-lasting change in your life, then I invite you to connect with his audiobook. Teachings from an Awakened Heart is a beautiful audio series that is going to really take you through many levels of your own being. It, it, is, it is 10 different uh, MP3s that you can download and then explore your own self in the most beautiful of ways. After that, you can connect with him for exclusive sessions, workshops, invite him to speak, or in many other ways. So definitely connect with Shavasti.com. I invite you to join us for the third in this series of three with him next week where we go even more deeply into some of the discussions that we have been having. Thank you, Shavasti, again for being a part of this profound series. He is a beautiful and amazing voice in the world right now, speaking what so profoundly needs to be heard by everyone on the planet. Until next week, in love, of love, with love and as love, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.